New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Mark Nepo. He's the author of More Together Than Alone, Discovering the Power and Spirit of Community in Our Lives and in the World. Mark, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Oh, thank you. It's great to be with you again. It's great to have you. This new work of yours is all about coming together in community. You have suggestions about how we can do this better. And and we're living in a time where there are certain powers or certain energies that are tearing us apart, so to speak, that are not supporting this sort of coming together, that are supporting fear and divisiveness and What can you say about the times that we're living in right now and what we're facing? Well, I've been working on this book for 13 years, and so I'm experiencing our time, of course, and I'm also holding it and seeing it in the patterns of history. And we have had throughout history periods where we have worked well together, periods of enlightenment, and we've had periods governed by fear where we push each other away. And so one thing that I've seen in all the stories across time and cultures that seems to be a theme is that when fear makes us think that self-interest will protect us, great love and suffering reaffirm for us and help us to discover that we're really more together than alone. And whether it's individually or in our cities and our towns or in our nations or across the world, we face this choice point over and over and over again. Fear, pain, worry, fear of not having enough makes us pull in, and it only makes it worse. And history proves this. When we reach out to each other and we break down and say, you know what? I need help. I need you. I need somebody. I need something. Then we rediscover that we're more together than alone, that we're stronger than alone. And one of the mysteries is, well, this is from a small poem of mine that says that the mystery is that whoever shows up when we dare to give has exactly what we need hidden in their trouble. And so the courage for all of us is in the face of so much noise and isolation and fear and cruelty that we don't vanish. It's more important than ever. Every time we stand up in our authenticity, in our kindness, in our listening, in our compassion, we strengthen the immune system of humanity. That reminds me, Mark, that within your book, you have these wonderful 
guidelines for gathering together in small groups, and you put forth questions that we can use and all sorts of aids, both on your website and in the book itself. And one of the questions that you have us look at is, how do we hold scarcity and abundance in our life? And then to also take in the other question, where do I feel abundance in my life? So can you talk about how using those questions can be helpful? Uh, I offer those questions as a way to what the Buddhists speak about, to discern things as they are. Because most of what we perpetrate on each other comes from when we inflate our scarcity more than it is. So, for instance, if I've experienced scarcity, and then I go, you know what, I I don't want to be there again, so I'm going to make sure, I'm going to add this added protected level of what I won't give or won't reach out or what I'll hold back to make sure that I don't reach that point of scarcity again. Well, when I live like that, I've allowed fear to be the leading value of my system of belief. And I've actually, in fearing scarcity again, I've actually increased my scarcity. The same thing with love. If I get hurt in love or someone betrays a trust, then I say, well, you know, I'm going to make sure that I have an extra level of circle of protection so I don't wind up there again. And all I do is isolate myself further. And I think the thing is, how do we deal with scarcity and reach out to each other for when those things happen? And how do I better learn to trust and to understand how I experience betrayal? That's a skill development rather than isolating myself further. And then in my loneliness and fear, I go, gee, I can't reach anybody when I've pulled myself farther back. And likewise, when I experience abundance, how much abundance do I need? Do I hoard and store up the abundance out of fear to make sure that I have enough, even when I can't foresee when I might need it? Or, like my grandfather during the Great Depression, who had very little and would bring strangers home to dinner, and my grandmother would pull him aside and say, well, what are you doing? We don't, we don't have enough. And he'd kiss her on the cheek and he'd say, break whatever we have in half. It'll be enough. So I think how we determine what's truly what we have and what we don't have accurately allows us to be fully present to our life and to others. And this is something that we constantly have to reassess that. I can say that to you today, and then I'll fall off tomorrow, and I'll have to reassess it again. So it's a life skill that allows us to connect genuinely with others. And you know, Mark, that just reminds me, in telling our truth out loud to others, that is a healing process in and of itself. It's not like you're getting fixed by others, but just telling this story. And I'm reminded You show examples of communal healing in communities. And one of the examples, which surprised me, but I think it's true, that Oprah Winfrey has actually provided a forum for us to tell those stories 
as a kind of communal therapy. Stories are medicine. They have always been medicine. Telling of stories and the listening of stories. They have been the, the, the golden threads that connect everything throughout all time. You know, Muriel Ruckheiser, who was a wonderful poet of the last century, she said, say it, say it. The universe is not made up of atoms, but stories. And so, yes, you know, Oprah, through 25 years, her entire life of that show, she allowed a communal space to be public, an authentic storytelling space, whether it was, you know, back in her first year or so of her show, you know, bringing from a, uh, I think it was a town in West Virginia who had exiled a gay man from swimming in the community pool, to going down there and talking to people and letting people come in public and the power of being who you are together is healing. And in her last year of that show, you know, there's so much that we know about sexual abuse and sexual predators, but no one had ever focused on men as children, as boys, being abused. And she brought 200 men together who had all experienced sexual abuse, and to show that in public. And this leads to a part of a lineage that's a greater lineage, and we go to South Africa where Nelson Mandela and Archbishop Tutu empowered the restorative sense of justice versus the punitive sense of justice. There was a lot of resistance to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission because people were rightly saying, my God, these people murdered our loved ones, tortured, and you can't give them amnesty. And they were saying something deeper will happen. And a lot of people didn't trust that it would happen, but it did. And at the heart of that was the question, can you reclaim your humanity for what you've done versus accept the retribution for what you've done. And this goes all the way back to stories in the life of Buddha. And this is our challenge. Any one of us can fall off, and we are accountable for what we do. And yet, what can we do to reclaim our humanity once we've fallen into darkness? And so this raises one other thing I want to raise about the epidemic of mass shootings that are in our, our country more than any other country. And I believe that those individuals are responsible for their actions, but we cannot say it has nothing to do with us. We can't just say they're crazy and we don't know what to do with it. I mean, I don't know what to do with it, but I do know this. They are social aneurysm. And aneurysm is a cell a weakened cell in the body, usually in the brain, that when the system, the body is stressed enough, the weak cell will explode, usually causing a stroke. Well, in our social body, all of these people who are responsible for what they're doing, they are weak cells. And we have to have the responsibility to say they're responsible for what they're doing and we're responsible for the pressurized society that is leading to an epidemic of weak cells exploding. What can we do, more together than alone, to normalize or depressurize? Where, where are the pressure points in our modern American society 
that are causing this epidemic of weak cells to explode. Oh, I think you're posing a poignant and potent question there, and I'm so glad you brought it up. And I want to ask you, Mark, are you optimistic about the future of humanity and the view of all the stresses that are present today? Yes. All you have to do is look at these amazing young people from Parkland, Florida, from Sandy Hook, from Columbine. I've just been so moved and touched. You know, most of my work as a teacher is that I travel around and I meet and journey with people who have been opened to the depth of life, whether it's by wonder or suffering. And at that point, I'm blessed to be with people who say, well, what now? Where do I go from here? And it can happen at any age, but most of the people that I journey with, there are young people, and there's older people, and there's middle-aged. But I'm so touched by these students in Parkland, Florida, because they have been ripped open to the depth of life at a very young age. They're there now, and their authenticity and their rawness and all the things we've been talking about, their innate heart have come to the surface, and it has caused other survivors of these high school shootings to come together. They are forming a community. They are more together than alone. And I feel very hopeful about the future. You know, there's an old parable that holds what we face in every generation, and it goes like this, that there are two, it could be anything, but we'll say two monks. They could be two priests, they could be two rabbis, but two monks, let's say, and they studied years to climb a mountain to keep an appointment with Buddha at the top. And they start out one day, and halfway up the mountain, one of them breaks his leg, and they stay overnight, and in the morning, the one who's broken his leg, he's not doing well. And it's clear he can't just be left there. And now the other monk has this choice. Is he going to keep his appointment with Buddha that he's worked years for? Or is he going to care for his broken other who can't be left alone? When we have an age when more people keep their appointment than care for the one before them, we have an age of cruelty. When we have more people who realize that the summit is caring for who is before you, that's the top of the mountain. We have an age of compassion. And every day, including in our day, it's yet to be determined what age we live in because it doesn't matter what appointment you have at the top. The appointment can be with Buddha, with Jesus, with Moses, with Allah. It could be with securing wealth or security or making sure that all of your kids go to college. You can put anything at the top of the mountain. But one of the things that I've seen through all these stories across history is that our greatness is revealed by working with what we're given more than working for what we want. Oh, Mark, thank you so much for leaving us with that just beautiful thought and and heartful view of where we are and what choices we can make. I've been here with Mark Nepo, and he's the author of More Together Than Alone, 
Discovering the Power and Spirit of Community in Our Lives and in the World. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, marknepo.com. Or you can go to his other website, threeintentions.com. Or you can get to both of them through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe. And I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.